0: My name is Jared. I'm an alcoholic. Um, welcome Ayana and Carrie, um, whether you're new or coming back, um, it's awesome to hear the day count. Um, for a long time, I'd count till 12. And that's as far as I got for a number of years. Um, also if my internet acts up, um, I'll switch to my phone real fast. It'll only take a brief second, but I'll keep my eyes peeled. Um, so in 10 minutes, um, I'll just briefly cover that um, uh, I I was not a huge fan of myself as a young kid, and that was an easy target. Um, I had motor tics really bad when I was young, and um, I'd just go to school fucking essentially hating life. And um, when I had found alcohol in particular, um, things escalated um, really fast to where that kind of became... More of a priority in my life than, um, than what seemed normal of finishing school and um and what seemed normal on paper. So, and I grew up in San Jose. I lived in Honolulu for six years, and when I moved to Honolulu, it was because I was being a shit bag in San Jose and um was kind of going downhill. And um and I've found in my experience that it's absolutely a case of no matter where you go, there you are. And um, on Oahu, um, I essentially looked at it as like a fresh start. Um, and I kind of got to put on this this face that um, alcohol allowed me to put on um, when I had started my using here in San Jose. And, and for the next six years, things um, became um, rampant to a point where um, the obsession um to drink when i had started um did become paramount over over the priorities um in a more significant way than it did um in my early days um i lived there from 07 till about 13 and um and really my time there don't get me wrong it was fucking fantastic but Um, looking back on it, it was, it's interesting to see how, like, what life kind of looked like was essentially, um, the way i lived, it It gave me a false sense of power and pride. Um, and at the end of my time there, where my drinking using certainly became, um, further than it had, it had gone, um and it's and it and it truly is a pro- I do believe this is a progressive illness and um at that time there I tried to manage my life because I thought just because I was still finishing school and I was making money that um that I could still continue doing the things I was doing but I still fe- felt this emptiness inside um of this uncomfortability which um numbing it with a substance was an easy solution and so um like even though things looked good on the outside i had a bunch of colleagues and friends and people in the music industry that i was acquainted with and i had fallen in love with my art out there um and when i had moved back to california um i was kind of on a a, a slim like getting kicked out of my apartment finishing school and then starting to work out here and i had um I had this act of woe is me and had to work in a professional environment. And I was outside of my lavish lifestyle and I had nobody around. And so I was this lonely artist and, um, and I found myself trying to, um, conceive my best works when drinking. And so, um, that, that, um, kind of took me under the wing of, um, a deeper, um, Um, alcohol fucking took over me essentially. And, um, and during my time out there in Honolulu, um, I didn't really see punishment for my consequences. And as I moved back here, I started to, it's kind of your go around things of getting arrested, the crashing the cars, losing relationships, losing jobs, family. Um, and that doesn't necessarily make me or anyone else an alcoholic. And whether that hasn't happened to you certainly doesn't, um, I guess the last qualifier I'll share is when I did try control drinking, the book says try some control drinking, basically try to have one fucking drink and, and kick back. And, um, I was, I, I clearly knew for years I could not do that. Um, nor did, did I have any desire to because of the effect that, um, alcohol produced for me was really allowed me to be outside of myself. But during that time I tried to control it. I was overseas and I was with somebody and, um, she wanted to get a couple bottles of champagne and I knew like exactly where I could end up because I had been at points in this trip where prior to this trip rather where um alcohol has certainly served um it's toll on me into ways that I could not absolutely control it and I caused wreckage in my life and trying to control it that time was just this most white knuckling like fucking like stressful experience that I did not want to get past a certain point of like where I would lose absolute control. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was incredibly stressful. So, um, I know I'm an alcoholic and my sponsor had asked me like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you done? Like, are, do you think you're in the whoop whoop And, um, <clears throat> fast forward, um, throughout the time that I had, uh, lived in California, I'm looking at the clock here. Um, I found my way to AA not by choice, um, nor did I have any desire to get sober. Um, but I did like what you guys had to say. Um, but, uh, I liked it because I could justify that I wasn't so bad and, um, <clears throat> only find myself in more predicaments of, um, finding myself in just this empty soulless situation, hitting myself, um, sometimes laying in bed for weeks and, um, just wishing life would be over. Um, my first bottom essentially looked like um me threatening my dad with my own life after me and him got in a near fist fight. And my dad, he's dude, the dude grew up in an abusive family. And um you know, I had no compassion over this. I had felt like this disconnect and really yeah, I didn't look at it as like I was maybe this bad son. Um and um and that's one of the awesome things in this program is that like I got to see like you know what? Maybe the people that actually cared about me did the best they could. It's it was it, 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 And it always seemed like prior to coming back to these rooms, um, I got sober in August of 2020, that um, I really had high expectations from others and I had these worldly demands. And I love in step seven, um, in the 12 and 12, where it talks about the chief activator of her defects had been self-centered fear, fe- primarily fear that we lose something we already possessed or fail to get something we demanded um living on a basis of unsatisfied demands we were in a state of continual disturbance and frustration therefore no peace was to be had unless we could find a means of reducing these demands and i love that because really it's like i think um coming back um like in those prior years in aa i had no desire to um really let that go because i i had seen that um you know, my expectations of others were still high and try to make up of what for lost time. And then when things wouldn't go my way, um, I couldn't find this gratitude of like where I was and truthfully throughout those years, like I was doing just fine. And, um, and coming back like this, and I'll just really wrap this up with this. Um, I'm grateful that I was willing to just real. I mean, every it, it's, it's like the same things that you hear constantly of like um the the one thing you need to change is everything, and um I think that uh for me that was a a huge huge turnaround for me to just um say yes in the beginning and just really say like you know what, maybe I really didn't give this a chance and um and I had to get to that point of desperation, but unfortunately, that point of bottom uh for some people is um they are no longer here on this planet however um i am lucky that i got to make it here and um continue to try to work this program to the best of my ability and it is it is a active 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 practice um keyword practice and um so somebody had asked before the meeting how are you doing you know and um and i have to actively really look at that and 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 see, and I had written some things down just before the meeting, just for me, um, that um, I'm, I'm honestly, I have everything I need and then some. Um, and anything else really is just a bonus. And I heard somebody share just a while back that, you know, I have problems in areas that I don't, never even had areas. And, and uh, I have a lot to be grateful for, you know, and, and particularly um, the relationships I have with people nowadays, um, and myself included. So, um, Laura, thank you so much for asking me to share. I will uh, pass it back to you. Thank you for my uh, sobriety today, y'all.
1: First and foremost, my name is Stacy, and I am such an alcoholic. Um, so I had completely forgotten that I had agreed to do this for BGD. And I was actually crawling into bed when my phone went off. So, um, I am going to try and be as spiritual as I possibly can, and I am not real keen on the fact that I have to have my video camera on, because, um, yeah, so, um, like I said, my name is Stacey, I am an alcoholic, I have a higher power today, I have a sponsor today, I have a clean or a sobriety date that is January 5th of 1988. Um, Since January 5th of 1988, I have not picked up or put anything in that wasn't prescribed by a doctor. Um, So drugs are part of my story, but what I can tell you today is that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that whether I was batting my eyelashes at a bartender or sleeping with the dope dealer, what I put in doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. After that first step, nothing talks about your substances, right? It's all about your whys and your behavior. And so I cling to that really closely. I cling to that very, very closely. I, um, you know, What I know today is that as our fellowship gets older, we are responsible for taking care of ourselves physically. And sometimes that means listening to medical and psychiatric professionals, right? I wouldn't walk into a meeting and tell anybody that my birth control changed any more than I would walk into a meeting and tell anybody that my psychiatrist changed my medication because some of us suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders. And I'm one of them um at 10 and a half years clean and sober i was diagnosed with clinical depression and trust me you want me on my meds you do you know um it always cracks me up when i tell people how much time i have and they go oh my god good for you and i go no good for you <laughs> good for everyone around me you know um i heard i heard somebody Famous talking about their sobriety on television one time. And, you know, at that point in time, I think they had like 25, 30 years sober. And and the TV show host said, Congratulations on that. And the guy turned to him and looked at him and absolutely deadpan said, Congratulating a drunk on not drinking is right up there with congratulating a cowboy with hemorrhoids for not riding a bucking Bronco or congratulating a skydiver for actually pulling the ripcord. And that's true. That's true. You know? Um, so like my background, my, my, you know, I'm really grateful that this is a, only a 13 people meeting. Cause you know, it means that it doesn't matter that I look like this. Um, my, upbringing was, I was born in Canada, raised in Wisconsin for the first 10 years of my life. And then I spent the next, um, up until four years ago in California. And I'm so sorry. I have to let my dog back in. Hang on one second.
2: We're all about the pets. (laughs) Yeah. It's
1: 11 o'clock my time. So um, I now currently reside in Tennessee. So it's, it's bedtime and the coyotes are out and my dog is 15 pounds. So she's a snack. Um, so my upbringing is that I grew up in a middle-class Jewish family. Drugs in my household came in a brown bottle with a white lid and a red label and alcohol in our our home was reserved for special occasions. Like dad had, you know, specific things that my father was the one that was the cook in our household. And so my father had brandy for making like a hard brandy sauce to go on a peach cobbler. Or He had whiskey for um, making barbecue sauce or when you got sick. They might put a little shot of it in your tea. My parents are remarkably still married to each other, and how one of them is not dead or divorced at 56 years of marriage is beyond me. Um, the only thing I've ever done successfully, continuously, other than sucking air and taking up space, is being clean and sober. And trust and believe that is not always been my choice. You know, I hear people in meetings go, I don't find it necessary to drink today. Oh, baby girl, I find it necessary every day. Sometimes I work with the public. So like, I find it necessary. I just don't make that choice. Um, so, you know, I don't come from the horror stories that we hear in these rooms. I don't come from physical abuse. I don't come from sexual abuse. I don't come from, um, that kind of a family background. Um, you know, and if you were to hear my sister share her story, we had completely different childhoods and my sister is in the fellowship. My sister is, I think she's six years behind me in sobriety, and that's only because she relapsed at five and a half years sober. Um, And by the grace of God and the 12 steps and and doing the next indicated right thing, I will, God willing in the creek don't rise and I don't choose to pick up, I will have 35 years sober in January. And I get to celebrate that this year by going on a cruise, that a recovery-based, clean and sober cruise that leaves on my sobriety birthday. How fucking cool is that? Um, So what I can tell you is that um, my substance of choice wasn't always alcohol my program of choice has become Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, My substance of choice wasn't always necessary and illicit chemical. Growing up, my substance of choice, my drug of choice, if you will, is your acknowledgement, your validation and, and your attention, right? So like I am an attention whore. So yeah, I got my ass out of bed and came. Because you liked me. You really, really liked me. Um, You know, for me, growing up, I was never funny enough. I was never pretty enough. I was never tall enough. I was never thin enough. I was never smart enough. I was never fill in the blank enough. And that was what I was seeking. I was seeking that acknowledgement, that validation, that Attention, and I would do and say whatever it took to get it. Um, in early recovery, I was the poster child for what not to do in a twelve-step fellowship. Like we tell you, stay out of a relationship for your first year. I chased a man to Anaheim, California, to go to a convention because he would sleep with me. Um.
2: I, I was absolutely predator ready. I was, I was,
1: um, I was the girl in early recovery that flashed traffic, not to see what would happen with traffic, but to see what your response might be to my behavior. Um, I would love to tell you that I got better. I just got different. Um, I still want your attention and your validation, but I'm looking to get it in healthier ways today.
2: Um, My drinking and using career was not long, but it was awful for me. You know,
1: you wanna compare it to somebody else's, I'm a lightweight. The bottom's where you choose to stop digging. And I quit digging 25 days short of my 19th birthday. I've been in the room since I was 18 years old. I will be
2: 54 in January. Um, you know, if I had more time to prepare and think about this,
1: something really profound might come out of my mouth. No guarantees on what's going to happen now. I got not, you know, I, I'm i just boo. Um, I don't sugarcoat shit. I'm not Willy Wonka. I don't pull punches. Um, it's one of my, it's one of those things that ended up on my steps as both a liability and an asset. Um, and so, you know, I've had some stuff, life shows up whether I'm loaded or not. And I know that today I've seen it happen. Um, At 18 months sober, I moved to Guam because I got engaged and he got stationed in Guam and he asked me to be there with him. And so I went and I ended up marrying him. That was at 19 years old. And I wasn't going to tell anybody I got married. And when I got
2: home, I had to be honest and I had to tell my parents that I got married. So fast
1: forward 30 years to the day I remarried that man, I wish I could tell you that that was a wonderful, happy, romantic relationship, but it was not. And currently we are separated and he bought himself a beautiful home. We were going to build a a house on the property that we bought. And I currently reside in a 45 foot travel trailer
2: that we were living in planning on building this house and life shows up. Um, Almost 12 years ago, I, no. Almost 17 years ago, I met And gotten, I didn't meet
1: him then. I actually met him many years earlier, but I married my soulmate
2: almost 12 years ago. And 31 days later, he was dead. Um, My second
1: husband got brain cancer, the same kind that John McCain had and had the ability and finances and positioning physically to be able to fight his cancer a little longer than my husband was able to. He had glioblastoma brain cancer
2: from diagnosis to death was six weeks. I didn't pick up. I found it very fucking necessary to be loaded during that. And I didn't. And the only reason that I didn't,
1: the only reason that I didn't was because I had people from the 12 steps of AA to come to the hospital at six o'clock in the morning and pick me up no matter what I looked or smelled like and drag my ass to a meeting. He died at 4.05 PM. At 10 PM, I was sitting in a candlelight meeting, blowing snot bubbles and crying my eyes out because I didn't know what else to do. I have been here long enough
2: that blowing my head off is an option, getting loaded is not. Um, And unfortunately that ends up the way for a lot of us. Um, You know, I have now been sober
1: um, let's see, eight times four is 32. I've been sober longer, four times longer, plus some than I got loaded.
2: And I honestly have no idea how to function if I wasn't clean and sober.
1: Um, when I got to the rooms, I didn't know how to balance a checkbook. I didn't know how to keep a job. I didn't know how to have healthy relationships. I'm still working on that one. Um, I had no concept
2: of how to be a grown up, And I learned that in these rooms, sort of, you know, um, You know, if I share nothing else tonight with you, I want you to hear that life will continue to life on you, whether you're sober or not, how you choose to deal with it is the difference between life and death. You know, some of us have the ability to pick back up and come back here. Some of us don't get that option. And especially with some of the things that are out on
1: the streets right now. Um, I've yet to hear of a death of alcohol with fentanyl poisoning,
2: but you know what? It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Um, And that scares me enough to stay here. You know, when I
1: got here, they told me, they told me things like um, I needed to learn how to be honest and that there's a difference between cash register honesty and self-honesty. What I know today is that honesty without some tact is brutality. Um, For an example, you go shopping with your girlfriend and your girlfriend says, do these jeans make my butt look big? No, honey, it's your hips. Your hips make your butt look big. That's brutal. Looking at that girl and saying, or that that person, whoever they may be and saying, I've seen you wear better. Gets the point across that those are awful, awful jeans. Take them off, they are, you know, or looking at a piece of clothing and saying, you know, that looked better on the hanger. Also gets the point across without having to assassinate somebody. and those are hard lessons that I've had to learn over the last 35 years, 34 years. I'm sorry. No fronts. I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. Um, when I got my one year, I went to the big meeting in Danville, the big speaker meeting in Danville. And I had 364 days and I took my chip because, you know. I was going to turn a year on Sunday and the meeting was on Saturday. My sobriety date is on the 5th. It was the night of the 4th. What's the big deal? I sat down. My sponsor at the time said to me, ooh, let me see your medallion. And I handed it over. And then my sponsor said, flip your hand over. And I thought my sponsor was going to put some magic juju in my medallion and then put it back in my hand. No, what I got was one of these and said, no fronts. You could get killed in a car accident on your way home tonight and you would have died with 364 days. I'll give this back to you tomorrow night at eight o'clock when you've earned it. Son of a bitch. And you know what has happened with that life lesson is that every single girl that I've ever sponsored, they talk about getting their chip early
2: and I go, go ahead, but let me tell you the story. And I tell them that story and they go, oh, okay. So, you know, I mean, life shows up regardless. Um, So yeah, I've been engaged, I've been disengaged, I've been married, divorced,
1: married, widowed, married, separated. Long-term relationships, not so long-term relationships. I have been other people's demoralizing, incomprehensible demoralization. I have been other people's lower
2: companionship. And um, what I know today is that um, when I was younger and newer, I was hilarious. My humor is renowned. I also know that I was very mean because I made myself feel better if
1: I could put you down. I don't have to do that anymore. Um, I'd rather be the woman that straightens another woman's crown than the one that goes, oh my God, Becky, look at her butt. Um, I mean, I like big butts and I cannot lie, but let's not go there. Um.
2: So, you know today in my life i'm pretty okay i don't love me i'm not in love with me but i know i'm not ugly i know i'm not stupid
1: and when i was younger i thought i was ugly i was fat and i was stupid i haven't overcome the fat thing yet i'm still working on that one that one's going to be a lifelong struggle um but I'm okay. You know, I'm okay. I'm a woman of worth and respect today. Um, About four years ago, I chose to move to Tennessee and um, that was life altering. Um, I have seen, heard and eaten things that I never thought I would ever hear, see or put in my face. Possum is not one of them. I'm just going to set the record straight. That ain't happening. Um, But I've gotten the opportunity to see another side of the United States. And, uh, you know, I moved out here for a man because I'm pretty, but I'm not smart. Um, Or I'm not all that bright all the time, I should say. And, you know, um, I've had a couple of do-overs in my life that turned out well. Uh, My late husband was one of them. I actually met him when I was six months pregnant with my son, lost touch with him for about eight years. We reconnected and um,
2: beyond a shadow of a doubt, if he were still alive, we'd still be together. That isn't the case all the time and that
1: doesn't work out all the time. And so I'm done rewinding men. uh, I've reached a point in my life when I moved out here, I had some some weird physical stuff that was going on, and uh, turns out that I was
2: diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. I have spent the last Up until about a year ago,
1: in denial about it, and um, depressed about it. And um, I'm not doing the whole Michael J. Fox shaking thing yet, but you know, that may be in my future what I've learned today is some acceptance. You know, I made the mistake of teaching my sponsees that the phrase, it is what it is. And that can be taken two ways.
2: It is what it is, can just be acceptance or it can be a massive cop-out. Meh, I can't do anything about it. It is what it is.
1: What has happened in the last year of my life is that um, my husband chose to leave because he didn't feel that I was doing
2: enough to take care of my Parkinson's. That's his shit, not mine. However, what happens when I'm backed up against a wall is that
1: I have learned through the years of working these steps and finding out what some of my assets and liabilities are that when I'm backed up against a wall, I come out fighting. And um, so that meant getting off my ass and getting a job, which sucked until I found a job where I get paid $17 an hour to stay home and answer phones. And I don't have to put on pants and I'm not doing porn. Um, You know, it's fun when you get to go to Walmart and you find these wonderful soft jammies and you go, oh, work clothes. So, yeah, that's what I do Monday through Friday um, is I answer phones and I talk to people and uh, and I get paid well to do it. Um, I'm saving up to build my own house because if I want flowers, I go buy my own flowers. If I want dinner, I go take myself out to dinner. Um, I hooked into the recovery community when I got here. And um, I'm not as active as I should be, but I know what happens when I should all over
2: myself. I end up feeling bleh. You know, it's, it's kind of funny for somebody who was um, I was just, I wasn't a whore. I was a slut whores get
1: paid Um, for somebody who was such a shameless slut earlier in my recovery. I got here to where I live now. I live about, um, I live about a half an hour from Bristol, Tennessee, where the big motor speedway is. I live about an hour and a half from Asheville, North Carolina. I live about an hour from Dollywood. Um, And when I landed here, the first meeting that I attended was a women's meeting. And that's my home group. I never in a million years would have thought that that's where I would go. Cause when I lived in California, a lot of the women's meetings that I ended up attending up in Sacramento were the she raw man-hating training camp academy meetings. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of angry women, lots of flannel. You know what I'm saying? Um, here, it's not like that here. The women are amazing, absolutely amazing. And, um, So, you know, I, I, I do a lot of women's meetings. I do a lot of zoom meetings, COVID saved my recovery, COVID saved my recovery because I was desperate for connection and I hadn't been where I was in middle Tennessee long enough to create those connections. So I got to zoom back to my home groups in California, which was Awesome. Um, I got a lot of time to sit with myself and to decide
2: who I want to be when I grow up, I'm aiming towards Dorothy from the golden girls without the roommates.
1: Cause that way the cheesecake is all mine. Um, you know, there was a woman that, that I met briefly before she died up in, up in Roseville, um. Uh, the Roseville Alano club on fifth street um, outside of Sacramento was my home group for about 10 years, eight, 10 years. And there was a woman there that they all called mama Eve. When she died, they had to get the largest church in town that they could find the one that they usually use when a cop dies, because there's so many people that go That's how I want to be. I want to be somebody. I want to live up to what the people who don't know me well enough to know better think I am. I want to be somebody that's spoken of with um, reverence, with respect, with... um, And I don't say that like, oh, I want to be such a great person. You know, it's not that. It's not about ego. It's about, um, I want to be a woman that other women can look to and say, you know what? I want to have the grace and dignity to walk through shit the way she had some grace and dignity to walk through shit. And so I work some steps and I go to some Zoom meetings and I meet people and I try to treat people the way I would like to be treated. You know, if you look at any, it's a spiritual, not religious program, but if you look at any major religion, like the basic tenets of any of the major religions are things like do unto others, which boils down to, hey, don't be a dick it's kind of simple. You know, I found out if I'm not a dick to other people, I don't have to go back and make amends. I hate being wrong. I hate saying, I'm sorry. I hate that with a purple passion. Like I would rather have all of my teeth removed with no Novocaine than sincerely apologize. And some of the amends that I've had to make have been really painful ones. Like I did some some skeezy shit in my early recovery. And it wasn't until my son stole money from my pocket that I realized how much I had hurt my parents. Thank you. How much I had hurt my parents and what that actually felt like until something is done to you, you don't understand what your what that effect is and how it makes you feel. And that goes both ways, right? Like I know what it was like to, to be a newcomer taken out for coffee and not pay and and have somebody go, I got this. I know you have no money. I got this. Ran into my old dealer at my first, one of my first meetings, like my second meeting. And a bunch of people were going for coffee after the meeting. And I Tried to avoid him like the plague, and he's the one that invited me out. And then we ended up sitting there talking until three o'clock in the morning, and I had no money to pay for my meal, and he knew that. And he said, You know what? All I ask is number one, you don't owe me the 20 bucks you think you owe me. And number two, take a newcomer to breakfast. You know what ended up happening some 20 odd years later? I owned a restaurant. I owned my own restaurant. And I had a booth that I would save when I'd see people from the fellowship coming in with their sponsees. They got a pot of coffee and left the hell alone. And sometimes I told them, don't worry about picking up the tab. I paid that shit forward. Um, You know, I know I didn't delve into the steps as much as I would have liked to, but it's uh, midnight my time. And I've been up since six. Um, Not an excuse, just the facts. So, you know,
2: if you're new in the rooms and I said something that you related to, good, you're in the right place.
1: If you're new in the rooms and I said something that pissed you the fuck off, good, you're in the right place. What I know today is that if I do a half-assed job and I only put in half the work and I'm expecting a full-time pay for half the work, I'm never going to get serenity. I'm never going to get it. You truly do get paid out what you put in. And I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt today. Um, Don't pick up no matter what, there are no good, no matter what's. What I know today, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is that if I die tomorrow or tonight, because I live under the flight, pla- flight path of our local airport, and I've always said that I'm not going out with some, you know, gentle good night. I'm going to get hit by like blue ice falling out of a 747. I'm getting taken out by a poopsicle. That's what's going to happen. So because like. Anybody that knows me knows I tend to be a little dramatic. Um, If I get to wherever it is that I'm going on the other side and they said, by the way, you're not an addict or an alcoholic. I'm okay with the life I led today. Like I have a 28 year old son that's never had to see me under the influence except strapped to a gurney on, on the way to an operating room for a planned procedure. Like how by showing up, suiting up, shutting up, sometimes having to suck up and doing some of the work, doing some of the work. And it's the most amazing thing. See, watch, look, see, here's the bottle. If I don't put it in my hand and I don't bend at the elbow, it doesn't end up in my body. If you don't pick up, you don't
2: put in. It's that simple. It isn't easy, but it's that simple. Like,
1: seriously? It's that, e- it's that simple. We complicate shit. And it doesn't need to be complicated. So at night, I say thank you. And in the morning, I say please. And in between... I just try not to be an asshole. I
2: don't always succeed.
1: You know, I get to put my head on the pillow tonight knowing that I didn't fuck up. I get to go to bed tonight knowing that um, maybe something I said tonight stuck. Maybe something I said tonight stopped somebody from drinking. Maybe something I said tonight gave somebody the giggle that they needed. Or maybe I just wasted a half an hour of your life that you'll never get back. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you for inviting me back to California. Um, If y'all make it out here to, to East Tennessee, just know I ain't going to feed you no possum. I cannot guarantee you on the road kill. You know, I have a whole recipe book for all of that. But um, there's a roundup going on over yonder in March. It's called the Appalachian Road Roundup or something like that. I'm learning how to speak Tennessee. It's
2: frightening. So thank you for letting me share. and. Um, Peace out, y'all.